Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, NFL teams are reporting to training camp, but we're going to visit with the former Patriots linebacker and current ESPN analyst, Teddy Bruschi, who suffered a stroke on July 4th and who now is recovering and recovering quite well. He has not spoken about the incident or what awaits him in the future, but for the very first time publicly, Bruschi does that here. We'll also be joined by the Lions' third-year wide receiver, who is already become a young star in the NFL, Kenny Galladay. But first, the great, the inspirational, Teddy Bruschi. Now we bring in my friend, my colleague, Teddy Bruschi, who I will add, I have not spoken to since he suffered the stroke on July 4th. We've exchanged texts, but I actually have not heard his voice until right now. And so like many of the listeners, all the listeners, everybody is wondering how Teddy is doing. And so we now turn to my friend to ask that very question. Teddy, how are you? Adam, I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you. Um, Yeah, I had the stroke on July 4th, but I'm doing very well now. Recovery has gone well. Um, I've just the amount of support that I've received from so many people, my, my new England Patriot family, my ESPN family, all of my friends and, and loved ones. It's been tremendous. And, uh, I just want to use this opportunity at the beginning to thank everyone for their prayers and, and well wishes they've helped. I'm doing well and I'm happy to be here talking about it. So take me back yeah. to that day, Teddy, you had such great recognition skills. What do you remember? about July 4th and what was happening? What were you doing? Just bring me back to that day. Well, what happened July 4th was I went for a run, which I've been doing a lot lately. Um, recently compete, completing the uh, Boston Marathon, and I sort of just run and become a part of my routine lately. So I went for a run down to the local high school, and I told my wife and I told my kids to meet me down there. So it's about three and a half miles, and I ran down there, and they met me down there in about 25 or so minutes to work out themselves. I was going to work out my kids down on the football field. So I finished the run, met my family, had my boys with me. We were walking out to the football field, and I was setting up to work them out and put them through some football workouts because they're both going to play football in the fall. And all of a sudden, I my left hand just started feeling weak. And I was trying to set up, and I had this equipment bag with me, and I was pulling up the equipment bag from the ground to myself, and my left arm wasn't coming up. And the bag got sort of caught up in my hand, and I pulled the bag up, and my left arm came up, and it was I could see it in front of me, but I couldn't feel the arm, and I don't know how it got up there, so I grabbed my arm, and I couldn't feel it at all, and I had lost the use of my left arm. And Adam, as I was holding my hand and squeezing my fist to try and get feeling back in it, I said, um, something's not right. I mean, what's going on? Are there exact words that I said? What's going on? And those words didn't sound the way they sound right now, the way I'm telling you. I slurred them. You couldn't understand what I was saying. So I said, what's going on? But imagine someone slurring them. So I turned to my wife then, 
And she looked at me and I said, something that's right, something's not right. And she couldn't understand what I'm saying. And she looked at my face and the left side of my face was drooping. And we immediately knew what was happening. I mean, I had spent the last 14, 15 years advocating for stroke awareness in the warning signs. And we knew this was happening again after 14, 15 years since my last stroke in 2005. So we called 911 right away and the ambulance came to the field and uh, picked me up and then I was off to the hospital. If you hadn't recognized it right away, what could have or would have happened? Well, the stroke could have gotten worse. Um, various things. Um, you know, it, like I'm saying, it could have gotten worse. I could, some people try to shake it off, which is, you know, the wrong thing to do. You should recognize the warning signs right away. Call 911. These are classic stroke warning symptoms that I was having. Um, if you get to the hospital in the right amount of time, I know this. I've said this so many times. There are, there are drugs that can be applied, TPA, which, which is called tissue plasminogen activator. It's a clot buster, basically. If they determine you're having an ischemic stroke, which is, which is due to a clot, the symptoms can be reversed. There are various techniques where they can go in through the groin with a groin catheterization process and go out and act, literally go and grab the clot through a procedure and free your free your body from the stroke. A lot of things that can happen. So as that's happening, and I'm in the hospital on my way to Sturdy Memorial in Attleboro, I'm thinking about these various things that the protocol that's going to happen once I get to the hospital. Now, what happened was, as I'm thinking this and in the ambulance, and I hear the sirens, and Heidi, my wife, is sitting in the front of the ambulance, I started to feel my fingers again. I started to feel my fingers and my hands started to come back. So this is about half an hour or so after the symptoms had started. So immediately we got to the ambulance. We called 911. I started to feel my fingers again on the way to the hospital. My speech started to clear up. Mm -hmm. um, so by the time I got to the hospital, went through the CAT scan, went through a lot of tests, the symptoms had actually cleared themselves and I was feeling much better, but still they kept me overnight in the hospital for observation because sometimes when you have events like this, they can, they can possibly give you a sign of more to come. Were your boys there at the time? Did they see this? Was this something that petrified them? Um, they were there. Um, as you, I mean, my oldest that was there. My middle son Rex is 17 and Dante's 14. So yep. you can imagine what they're thinking in their minds as a, as a young, a young man sort of looking at their father going through these things, but they've been to a lot of Teddy's team events. Teddy's team is my foundation that raises funds for stroke awareness and research. And I've sort of pumped the warning signs into them. They have great awareness on stroke awareness also. So they sort of knew what was happening we all sort of knew what was happening. We all definitely knew what was happening, but still, you know, they could see that it, it was still worrisome for them. But they were both they were, they were both very, very brave, get, leading the ambulance guys down to the field. You know, they <laughs> wow. I was very proud of them on how they reacted. How did this compare to the stroke that you did suffer in 2005, weeks after you won your third Super Bowl at the Patriots when you were 31 years old? Well, this, this recent stroke that I had, they characterized as a TIA, it's a, and that's a transient ischemic attack, sort of a mini stroke, um, if the word mini and stroke go together. <laughs> but 
Um, the one that I had in 2005 was a little bit bigger, and it involved complete left side sort of deficits all the way down to my foot. Um, loss of vision was a thing for me back then because I lost the left field of vision in both my eyes. So it was different. They were different signs, but um, that stroke wasn't characterized as a TIA, and the symptoms last, lasted, you know, I would say months after that instead of just basically probably an hour. Hmm. So right now, are there any effects that you're feeling from the stroke that you suffered earlier this month, or you are good to go? I'm doing well. Uh, yesterday, I went for a 3.5-mile run. Wow. Um, I've been cleared for activity, and yesterday, I actually went for the same run that I did on the day of my stroke. <laughs> really? My first run, so I figured it was something I wanted to do, so I ran down to the high school again, and I literally got there, walked down to the spot where it actually happened, um, had a little bit of a reflection, had my wife come pick me up, which was supposed to happen that day also, and... On my drive home, I felt like, all right, well, that's behind me now. Huh. When you say that you have a little bit of reflection, what are you reflecting on and what are you thinking? I think my reflection is just that of being blessed because, I mean, I've, I've talked to my neurologist, David Greer, who's been with me um, ever since my first stroke back in 2005. And, you know, we've we've sat and had conversations about the two strokes that I've had, and, and here I am still deficit-free, and I've recovered fully from both of them, and I'm very lucky and very blessed to be able to say that because I mean, stroke is the number one cause of debilitation in the United States. I mean, so many, so many people have had strokes and aren't the same afterwards, and here I am. After my first one, I was able to come back and play four years in the NFL, and then after this one, I mean, I'm sort of back. I'm not, there's no more football combat comebacks for me, Adam. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I can still come back. And my doctors told me, Hey, you've been cleared for activity. You want to run, go run. You want to do various things you can. Um, let's just not play football anymore. Why do you, why do you think, why do you think, why do you think Teddy, that you've been able to bounce back the way you have? Is that because of the way that you kept yourself in condition? You're in great shape. You look great. You eat healthy. You do the right things. Yeah. Is it is something to do with that? Well, I wish I could give you a definitive answer, a definite answer on that, Adam. But I'd say the thing is, you know, of I mean, blessed and lucky is one thing. But I always um, I've I've gone out and spoke about and and preached about stroke awareness and nutrition and education and the awareness signs and all of that fitness levels and. Why I constantly keep myself in great shape is because, you know, I played defense in the NFL. I was a linebacker, so I sort of am still doing that right now, but just in a different way. I think the better I run, the better I keep myself fit, it gives me the best defense so if anything can happen. It was, it's ironic because I was just in that event a few weeks ago, and this is what I'm talking about, why I, why I try to eat the best that I possibly can and try why I run and try to stay fit is because – if something were ever to happen again, I'd be ready. And then July 4th comes around, I have a stroke, and I don't, I don't know how I'm able to overcome and be back and, and be able to do the things and still run or play football like I did after the first one. But being in good physical shape definitely, definitely helped me, I believe. Now, you have become 
one of the foremost advocates for stroke awareness. What would you tell people about being aware that they're suffering a stroke? Uh, I would just talk about learn the warning signs, and that's all that I've been is, is for, since my first stroke in 2005. Is I didn't know I was having a stroke when I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, the loss of vision, the numbness down the left side of my body for my first stroke back then, we were still, Heidi and I were still trying to figure out what's going on. We're making calls. Um, we don't know what my body's going through. But having these awareness signs, there's an acronym. It's called BFAST. Okay, BFAST. The B is for balance, balance issues. Uh, the E is for eyesight. The F is for facial droop. The A is for arm weakness. The S is for slurred speech. And then the T is for time. If you recognize any of these symptoms, be fast. Call 911. Get to the hospital as quick as quickly as you can because there are things that they can do to save your life and then reverse the effects. So awareness, knowledge is all something that I'm about, and it's all something that I've been preaching for you know well over a decade now. Which is unbelievable. You, would you ever have imagined growing up the way that you did that you would become this spokesman and this model for how to recognize and deal with and come back from strokes? It's pretty incredible. No, I, I had no idea. I had no idea what, it was, what my life was going to be like, um, even playing in the NFL for the Patriots. Um, they have a great Patriot charitable foundation. I'm like, well, that's great. And I participated in it when I played for them. But nothing really struck me as being passionate about to where how I could give back in terms of off the field. But having this happen directly to me, it was sort of something to me where it said, this is what you have to do. You need to help people to provide the information about stroke awareness. And um, even this, this second event is sort of telling me how my life is supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do. A lot of people have various things they do off the field, but for me directly, it's about stroke and it's about stroke awareness. And, you know, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if I'm the face of stroke, you know, but um, I am a two-time stroke survivor now and I'm proud of it and I'm happy to be talking to you about it and just, just continuing to spread the word and the knowledge and awareness. See, I can't imagine that there are too many two-time stroke survivors who are 46 years old who have the history that you did. This can't be a common occurrence. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't known. I remember. I remember after my first one too. It's. Uh, I asked the doctor or the number of the guy that's done this before in terms of coming back to play football. I was on the phone with him. I said, give me the number, Doc, so I can ask this guy all the millions of questions that I have. And he said, Teddy, you'd be the first. So coming back to play in the NFL after my first stroke and having you know an operation on my heart to close a hole, um, a lot of things to where a lot of doctors refer to certain strokes as the one that Teddy Bruschi had and that he came back to be able to play in the National Football League and you'll be okay because there's a lot of, of emotional and mental hurdles you have to overcome. I can talk to you about this in terms of being a stroke survivor because you sort of feel messed up inside, like something's wrong with you. But I felt that immediately after. I didn't, I didn't think it was possible to play football again. Um, there was a lot of emotional healing that you have to do. So it really warms my heart sometimes when I've heard multiple people come up to me and say, my doctor told me I have the same thing you had. Hmm. And so that's a, if that's something that I've, I've been meant to do to sort of be the example of, 
of you. It is possible to live a normal life after stroke. Hey, I'm proud to do it, Adam. Do you get more praise and appreciation from people for that or for your role back in the day with the Patriots? Um, more, I guess more well, I feedback. Do you, do you hear more yeah. about the strokes or do you hear more about your football days? It's, it's a lot. I mean, now it's, it's not just, you know, what I did when I was with the Patriots or what I did as a stroke survivor, but also, you know, people see me on, I mean, there's the ESPN aspect of my life also being an analyst. So it's, it's, I, I guess it's almost in threes in terms of people will come up to me and I do think, okay, what's he going to want to talk about? Because there's so much more to just <laughs> football in my life. I mean, is this guy a Patriot fan? Is he is he is he upset or upset about something that I said on TV? Or is he a stroke survivor or been affected by stroke? So that sort of goes through my mind and all my interactions, and that's okay because I'm I'm open and proud to talk about all three of them. But, but I, I I just to be honest with you, it's most meaningful when someone comes up to me and says, and I get this because of. Um, I guess the platform that I have, they can, they know where I am. They can contact me somewhere and say, listen, I didn't know what this was. Uh, and you saved the, the work that you've done saved my mom's life or my life because I recognized the stroke warning signs because of what Teddy's team has done or because of um, you pumping the warning signs. And I understand what this was when I saw it in myself or my mom and we got her to the hospital as quickly as we could, and they saved their life. I was running the Boston Marathon this year, okay? It's a quick story for you. Yeah. And I'm running with a group of Teddy's team runners, and, I mean, we're – I mean, Heartbreak Hill is coming up. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a grind out there running the marathon. And there's a woman that came up to me and said – she just started running next to us and talked about how my mother – was suffering a stroke, and I noticed the warning signs because of what you do and the awareness that you spread. I learned them because of that, and it saved her life, and we, wow. we were able to do so much things for her because I got her to the hospital as quickly as possible. This is in the middle of the Boston Marathon, and I got a quick reminder of why that I do all of this, and it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life to give me validation in terms of what what Teddy's team is doing and the work that we've done in the past. Not that you need it, but here's a little bit more validation. So last week, ESPN announces that you'll be joining the Sunday NFL Countdown team, that Lewis Riddick will be moved to the Monday Night Countdown set. I'm going to be traveling to Monday Night Football for Monday Night Countdown. But when that announcement was made and you looked at some of the comments, the overwhelming majority of the comments all were, how is Teddy doing? And when I saw the reaction to the ESPN announcement, that was when I said, you know what? I'm going to reach out to Teddy, see if he'll come on the podcast to answer this question for all these people who were asking. And that was when I texted you, hey, would you be willing to do this? Yeah. Because there were so many people who reacted the way they did. That that was the common question. How is Teddy doing? I, And it just shows you how much love and support you have in there, whether it is as an ESPN analyst or as a football linebacker or as a stroke survivor, how aware were you, I guess, or are you to people's curiosity and concern in how you are doing? It's, it's, it's honestly been overwhelming to me in terms of the kind, kindness of people um, 
not just Patriots fans, but just people in general in terms of their support for me that I've in, in various platforms that I've read, whether it's social media or or direct text messages or letters that I've received. It's it's something that I've been overwhelmed with that how kind people can be. It's and it helps you in the healing process and and I it's it's been very flattering for me. I guess overwhelming is the word once again, but um you know it's I'm very proud, very proud to be able to say that, you know, I am a survivor and that being a survivor and what I've been able to overcome is definitely due to a lot of the support and, and uh, the kindness, I'd like to say, of, of a lot of people across the country. Will this most recent stroke change your life in any way, physically, mentally, emotionally, moving forward, Teddy? Um, okay, well, medically, let's talk about that going forward. Um, I don't mind talking about my medical condition. It's been it's been something that I've been open about ever since I had my last stroke, just so people can understand. After my first stroke, they discovered a hole in my heart. Um, I had a PFO and an ASD. They're, they're both uh, congenital heart uh, congenital heart defects that I had that I had to have a device put in to close those to close those holes. And so, after that, going forward, I got put on a baby aspirin, and they thought that would be fine for me to play in the NFL, and I did for four more years. So here we are 14, 15 years later, and I had another stroke. So it's, it's still questioning. It still, it still makes my doctors curious on why this happens again. So going forward, um, a stronger blood thinner is in my life probably for, you know, foresee- foreseeable future. That's mm-hmm. one change medically for me. Um, in terms of the way I handle my life, the way I live my life, None of that's going to change. Like I said before, yesterday, I just had to go out there and run the same route that I ran (laughs) before my stroke. And I had to do that because, I mean, it's just the way I am. I mean, okay, that happened. I'm not going to let that give me any type of mental block that I can't run, that I can't do anything. They told me I can, and I will. Just like the first time when they said, you're going to be okay to play football and it's just if you can handle it mentally and emotionally. Well, I did. It took me a little bit longer to handle things that first time around because there were times in that comeback year I didn't know if I was doing the right thing. I mean, Teddy, you just had a stroke. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, you got a family, you got a wife, you got a kid. So that type of mental hurdle, I'm over that. So it took me a little bit quickly, a little bit much shorter time to get over it now. Like I said, I'm running again. I will continue to do what I want to do because number one, I've been told I can. Yep. And my doctors are on my side. So there's really not something in me that says to be careful. And maybe there's another marathon in my future. I don't know. It's just that I won't, I won't compromise my life based on being a stroke survivor and what I've been through in the past. It's adversity and the way you overcome it has always been something that I just I just take it on straight ahead, full on, head to head. That's what I do. But you never had a July Fourth quite like that one, Teddy. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It was it was a unique one. Yeah, my brother's birthday actually is on July Fourth, and he was texting me and he called me. I said, "Well, happy birthday, bro." How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, something about holidays with my strokes, too. It was February 14th, and then Fe- I had it the night of, so which was technically February 15th and then July 4th. But wow. uh, it happens, and you got to accept who you are, you know. And I know who I am, and 
stroke is a part of who I am and how I live my life. And I just accept it with open arms and continue to live. Well, Teddy, guess what? Labor Day is coming up Monday, September 2nd, okay? Let's try to stay safe, all right? <laughs> and 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 you will be debuting on Sunday NFL Countdown on Sunday, September 8th, six days later. So we got to yeah. get through that holiday and get to Sunday NFL Countdown in one yeah. good piece there. Yeah, I'll be just fine, buddy. Don't worry. I'll be there. And to be, hey, if I could just address that, being on the Sunday NFL Countdown team is going to be a lot of fun for me. Uh, you know, with Sam and Rex and, and working with Moss again, that's going to be fun uh, since we are old Patriot days and then Hasselbeck. It's a, it's a great group, and um, I look forward to it a lot. The last 10 years at ESPN with NFL Live has been an absolute joy for me to work because it's just I just have fun talking football and being part teacher, you know, part uh, sort of just, just talking about the game in a way that I want to help people understand it and what from a player's perspective. So I'm looking forward to that and, um, you know, seeing you in action on Sundays too, buddy. And don't forget Mort because he's the heart and soul of that show still, and he's going to needle you this year, and you're going to have a lot of fun with him as well, Teddy. It took me a couple years to get used to Mort. <laughs> always giving me a hard time. Everybody a hard time. There was only one guy who could make yeah. fun of Boomer, and that's Mort. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and I his, look forward to seeing Mort, too. And his sense of humor is enormously underrated. He he is really the funniest guy in that room. I mean, he's hysterical. Yeah. yeah you're gonna, and you're going to enjoy being in the war room on Sunday after the show when everyone gathers to watch all the games in that room, and it's a bunch of people from the show sitting around, having fun, big group of friends, food. I mean, what's better than that, sitting around watching games yeah, with a bunch of people you like? Yeah, there's a pretty pretty uh, intense fantasy league, I think, uh, I'm to be a part of with you guys, too. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we're, we are very excited. We will have no mercy on you in that league this year. You know, Louis Riddick <laughs> last year, as a first-timer, distinguished himself fairly well, I have to say. So if you could do that this year, that would be impressive. I've been in that league since we started it 10 years ago at ESPN, roughly. I've never once won it, Teddy. So if you come in and win it this year... It can be very embarrassing for all the other, all the rest of us here. I, I know I know a little thing about winning championships, so maybe <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll get one done. <laughs> and and if you do, we're gonna have to create a ring, like because you got enough rings as it is. You know, we'll give you one more fancy ring to add to the collection. And I think everybody would enjoy you getting that ring over Matthew Berry. That I will say to you. Oh, as long as I don't get last place, is there a toilet bowl award? I'll stay away from that. Oh, that that that's usually reserved for Trey Wingo, but you got his spot in the league because he had that spot <laughs> way too long, way too uh-huh. long. All right. Hey, Teddy, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for the candor, for the inspiration, for the courage, for the example you've set for everybody. There's a lot that we should be thankful to you for, and I certainly am, and I appreciate your time today. Yeah, I appreciate the time, Adam, to talk about stroke awareness, and then, of course, my my, my fantastic time there that, that I've had at ESPN Teddy's Team, I'm something very passionate about. If you want to learn anything more about my organization, it's teddysteam.org. That's where you can learn more about stroke, the warning signs, and the great things we do. Adam, always love talking to you, buddy. Love you, Teddy. Thank you, buddy. Love you too, bud. Bye. Are you tired of credit card bills with high interest rates, ready to pay off your credit card balances and start saving money? Get a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream with rates as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay, lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 19% APR. You can get a loan from 5000 to 100000 with no fees. 
No application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalties. The rate is fixed, so it will never go up over the life of the loan. Plus, you can even get your money in your bank account as soon as the day you apply. The online application is so easy, you can apply right from your phone. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly why they deliver. Just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Adam. Lightstream.com slash Adam. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Adam. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Adam. Now joining us, the third year wide receiver from the Detroit Lions, Kenny Galladay. And Kenny, I have to ask you, you come out of St. Rita High School in Chicago. You've grown to be this six foot four, 213 pound monster on the football field. And yet while you were leaving St. Rita High School in Chicago, the only college scholarship offer that you had was to an FCS program, University of North Dakota. No FBS offers, no other scholarship offers. How does that happen for a guy that big and that talented? Uh, really just falling under the radar, you know. I guess, you know, you could say everything happens for a reason. But how do you fall under a radar like that? How does that happen? Uh, Man... I, I I can't even you know begin to you know even tell you really I guess you know maybe we were uh, a a running school you know and we really didn't I probably only had what forty receptions I, I just didn't have you know amazing numbers and then I really didn't have a size you know coming out of high school you know I kind of had a growth spurt in college. How big a growth spurt in college, Kenny? Uh, three or four inches maybe, maybe maybe five. I'm I'm not even sure. It, it was something crazy, though. And I, I really didn't even notice it myself. Other people would just tell me. Oh, really? Yeah. And at that point, do you have any idea that you are an NFL caliber capable of going to the Lions with the 96th overall pick in the third round of the 2017 NFL draft? When do you get the idea that that's possible? Well, to be honest, I, I, started, I started my career off at University of North Dakota, Played my true freshman year, sophomore year, and just kind of wanted to test the waters a little bit. So I made my own highlight tape, put it together, and actually sent it to my high school coach. Because, you know, around that time, all of the college coaches were coming in, and, you know, me and him still talk to this day. He passed it along, and Northern Illinois jumped on it. And I played, I said, well, I set out my first year at NIU, then played my red shirt junior year, and after that season, you know, it kind of just hit me. You know, a lot of phone calls start coming in, a lot of people in my ear, really. But, you know, I just I just stayed with it, you know, and just focused on the main goal and just, you know, had another solid season my senior year. So your high school coach, well, we got we to gotta name him first of all, was critical in you getting the scholarship offer to Northern Illinois. You went backwards. You went back to high school to move ahead in college. Is that correct? Yeah, and uh, his name is Todd Kuska. He still coaches there, too. And so you still speak to him. Do you get tips and pointers from him to this day, or is it more just a friendly colleague type of basis? More just a fr- friendly uh, colleague type of basis. And, you know, we still talk about my season, his season, and just we just build a friendship. Can he see things in your game, though? Because I had a writing coach in college, 
And when I was writing for a newspaper back in Denver, he'd read clips and he'd call me up every now and then and we'd discuss things. Does your high school coach see things in your play and say, hey, Kenny, try this or try that or you could do this better or that worse? Um, is no longer, uh, you know, he, he no longer come off as a coach anymore. You know, yeah. he, he, he kind of understands it and just comes off as a friend. And, you know, um, he never really critiques how I play. Hmm. So now that you've been in the NFL, Kenny, you are, and this is amazing to me, one of six players to average 15 yards per reception, have 70 receptions, and five touchdown catches last season, along with Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton, George Kittle, and Tyreek Hill. That's quite a crowd that you're in. What do you attribute? You, You didn't know that, huh? No. 15 yards per reception, 70 catches, five touchdowns. And again, that's quite a list. Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton, George Kittle, and Tyreek Hill. When you do hear that, what does that mean to you? I mean, I guess, I guess it's really just honor, you know. Um, coming off a slow start my, my rookie year, and I just wanted to, you know, come in my second year healthy and just play fast, really. You know, because when you're a rookie, you kind of start off slow. You got there's a lot going on, you know, a lot coming at you. And that second year, I was just able to just, you know, come into my own a little bit. So you went into last year wanting to be healthy and fast. What is realistic to expect from you in year three coming up right here? Um, to be honest, just building building on last year. You know, I want to keep, you know, stacking these building blocks and just keep producing for the team. And last year, for those who don't realize it, you led the Lions in receptions. You had 70 and receiving yards, 1,063. And you were the sixth second-year player in Lions history to post a 1,000-yard season. The first to do it was Calvin Johnson in 2008. He left in 2015, and he left on bad terms with the organization. Have you had a chance to have any sort of contact, conversation with Calvin Johnson at all, or have you never spoken with the man? Uh, we, we we've yet to um, communicate, um, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say we're not going to communicate. We just haven't done it, you know. What would you like to speak with him about if you ever got that chance, Kenny? Um, don't really know. More so, just pick his brain. You know, um, he 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 produced. So many years, though. Every year he played pretty much. You know, he had a lot of uh, production and just, you know, pick his brain on just the league itself. Hmm. I'm sure he could offer a lot. Now, again, you're going to this third year. No Golden Tate. Traded last year to Philadelphia. Golden Tate now in New York. Do you see your role changing at all on the Lions this season without Golden going into camp? Uh, Definitely. Just me. Just me. Just being a vet, a third, a third guy, a third year guy now, and those young guys is going to start looking, looking at me, Marv, Curse, Danny, just for just for help and advice, and I just got to you know step into that role and accept it. Now, also this past week, we heard from Golden Tate who said that Matthew Stafford was the finest quarterback that he's ever played with, better than Russell Wilson, better than anybody. He's played with some good quarterbacks. What is it about Matthew Stafford's talents that people don't know with you having played with him for two years now? 
Well, I really wouldn't say what they don't know. I mean, Staff's been in the league for a while now. Everyone knows he's ha- he has the arm strength, um, mobile, can make plays. But what I like about him is just his competitiveness. I mean, he, he he's a winner, and he, he's going to bring that each and every Sunday. He's going to bring it at practice. He, he He's going to push you to do better. You know, even if he if he gets on you, don't take it the wrong way. He want to he wanna get the best out of you. He want to bring the best out of you, and he's going to need you just like you're going to need him. So it's all for the greater good. Kenny, there are some thoughts right there on Matthew Stafford. What did you notice about the play and talents of the Lions' first-round draft pick, TJ Hawkinson during minicamps. I feel like he, he's going to have a bright future. Um, he, I feel like he has sneaky speed, to be honest. Hmm. Um, can, can run some routes, great hands, can block. I just feel like if he keep working hard at, at his craft and everything, he can be a, a great all-around tight end for us. That is something that would be very beneficial for this organization. Now, you go to camp on Wednesday the 24th, and we're taping this a few days before that. What is the mindset of a player who's about to basically go into camp, give up his life, not have much freedom, and know all the physical and mental challenges that are ahead of him in the weeks and months to come? What goes through your mind at a time like this right before training camp? With camp, you really just got to embrace the grind, you know. Um like, like you know, everybody say, don't count the days, make the days count. You know, um, and it's all just just building blocks for the season. You know, those practices mean a lot. You don't get a lot of them. Before you know it, season is starting. So you really just got to go in each and every day trying to get better and help your team get better. In your division, that's some tough defenses, Minnesota, Chicago, Who's the one cornerback that you think is particularly tough that you go against on a year-to-year basis? To be honest, I mean, both teams got pretty good corners. Um, Like you say, it's just going to be a battle each and every week. One guy might not have his game that, that, that day. Next guy might not have his game that day. But either way, you're going to get, you're going to get some good football each and every Sunday when – the Bears are going against the Vikings when Detroit going against Green Bay or, you know, the other way around. It's going to be good games. So give me an idea, Kenny. Again, I've trotted out some big numbers for you, those numbers that move you into that elite category. You were the 12th wide receiver drafted in 2017, but only Juju Smith-Schuster is the only one from that class who had more yards than you did last season. Um, what do we expect numbers-wise, from Kenny Galladay in the 2019 season. And let me say this. We're not going to hide from the fact. That's a fantasy-driven question, Kenny. For all the people out there who want to know whether they should be drafting you here, what do we expect this season? You know what? You're just going to just have to draft me and, and just <laughs> hope for the best. But I'm definitely going to, you know, to answer your question, just just try to pick up where I left off last year, man. Um do my job, do it to the best of my ability, and go out there and make plays each and every Sunday. Well, if you do that, whoever does draft you is going to be pretty happy. Most definitely. (laughs) 
Hey, Kenny, I really appreciate you taking some time. Lots of luck this season, and thank you very much for the time. Thank you. And there is the Lions wide receiver, Kenny Galladay, who seems poised for another big season in his third season in the NFL. And a special thanks to our friend, the great Teddy Bruschi, who just from his comments you could see why he is such an inspiration to so many people. He was a favorite of the Patriot organization for a long time and remains that to this day. He's a favorite at ESPN for all of those who work with him or around him. And you can see why so many people in the public love and appreciate the type of man that Teddy Bruschi is. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. We'll be back again next week when almost every single NFL training camp will be open and in full force. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week.